in the book of Romans. So I want you to open your devices, your Bibles to Romans chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. We're going to talk about God's righteous judgment, but we have to do a review. Paul wrote this letter to the Jewish Jesus communities, and they were springing up all over Rome. These communities were called churches. Actually, they were home churches. And the, the letters that Paul wrote, we call them epistles, they were written to help these Jewish Jesus communities to, to grow. And this letter was written between 57 or 58 A.D. The Jews and Christians had been expelled from Rome at different times, more than likely 49 A.D. by Emperor Claudius. The Jews began returning about 54 A.D., and, and the churches that they had left were now full of Gentiles. Some Jews had stayed behind, and, but the church was different. The church was different, and, and they, they were struggling to know how to, how to worship Jesus properly. Sometimes, even today, we, we struggle in that, that, that direction. Paul wrote this letter when he was in Corinth, and he was writing this letter. He, his, his hope was to use Rome as a staging point for his ministry. He thought he was going into Spain. So chapters 1 through 4, this is basically, it's in your sermon section. You can see this. They reveal God's righteousness, and this is what we're going to talk about this morning. In chapters 5 through 8, they reveal that through Jesus Christ we are justified. And then verses, uh, chapters 9 through 11, God fulfills his promises uh, to the Jews, to us. And in chapters 12 through 16, you will see this is the unification of Jews and Gentiles or it's the unification of the church. And these are simple outlines in many different Bibles. Now, in chapter 1, uh, verses 2 through 6, Paul tells them, he tells these home churches that God is able to save those who trust him. Now, we find that very elementary, but you see, this is, things were just happening at this point in time. You see, Christ has only been into heaven just a few short years. So now things are really taking place and churches are growing, these home churches are growing, and he's telling them that the gospel is the good news. I know you've heard this before, but this was exciting to them to hear this. He tells them that the gospel reveals God's righteousness. And Paul speaks and he teaches. He tells them that the, the, this righteousness that he's speaking of is an Old Testament word that describes God's character. It also demonstrates and describes God's faithfulness. So now we come to chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, and you'll see, if you're just skimming quickly, you'll see that God's wrath is revealed. God hates sin. God hates sin. You and I know what sin is. We face it every day. We wrestle with it. We struggle with it daily. And it's amazing that in Paul's day, in our time, we meet people who say there is no God. Now, I want you to see something on the screen here. Take a look at 
Psalm 14, verses just one. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. I meet people like that all the time. And what's interesting is the word fool means insane. Uh, you wouldn't call your neighbor who says that, <laughs> at least I don't think you would tell him that straight out to his face, that he's insane, but you would love him and show him the love of Christ through the way you live. Perhaps you would even show him through Scripture, but you know what's interesting? The fool says in his heart, there is no God. Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can know it? You see, we wrestle with sin every single day and we bump into people every day. I want to challenge you. Bring those people with you. Let them hear the word of God. Show them the word of God, not only through your life, but through your Bible. You may have to do it incrementally. You may have to do it slowly, but do it. Now, secondly, there's another thing I want you to see on the screen here. Satan is very, very powerful. You see, man has changed the truth of God into a lie. And these verses demonstrate that man's degeneration is measured by his perversion of sex. All you have to do is read this particular passage here. You see, Satan is powerful. He's helped us, he's helped man to change the truth into a lie. We know that. To, we know that. Now, I know some of you may have opinions that are different than mine, and that's all right, but I want to tell you from Scripture, it tells us that man and woman are to be together, not man and man. If your opinion is that, you need to read Scripture very carefully. Read this passage. Paul is telling you the truth, and you see we have changed the truth into a lie. Now, chapter 2 I want you to see this as well. God is just. We're going to look at God's um, righteous judgment. Chapter 1 reveals the unrighteousness of man. That's what we've looked at here. And I've just touched on it very briefly. So I challenge you to read that passage. And that, that particular passage about how man has changed truth into a lie. Chapter 2 reveals the self-righteousness of man. Now, in chapter 2, Paul is showing that God is going to judge self-righteous people. He's going to judge the, let's put this in air quotes, the religious Christian as well. The religious people. You see, if you don't have Jesus Christ, you're lost. And Paul is talking about sin and the basis upon which God will judge. Chapter 2, verses 1 and 2. When you judge others... When you judge others, you're assuming the position of judge and jury. And God is saying, by the same token that you are judging, I will judge you. He has the right to judge you by his standards. His standards, right here from the word of God. Let's stop tiptoeing around the scripture. Let's, try, let's stop trying to make ourselves relevant. Let's speak truth. You see, we need to stop talking. We need to start living. We need to start letting God do his work, his way, through us, in you. Look at verse 4. I'm looking at this from 
the New Living uh, Translation. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? I want to do a comparison here. And, and I, want you to, I want to read this from the, uh, the NIV. Do you not show contempt for the riches of his kindness, tolerance, and patience? Not your tolerance, God's tolerance. Showing contempt, not realizing that God's kindness leads you toward repentance. God is so kind to us. And we honestly abuse that. We must realize that the goodness of God is something that must and should bring us to our knees. You see, one of the most powerful times in our church is when you and I are coming together on a Wednesday night. You know what? Stop watching your television on a Wednesday night. Stop saying, I'm just too tired. Why don't you come out on the first Wednesday of the month, and why don't you pray with us? Why don't you enjoy some fellowship with a brother and sister? Stop excusing yourself. You see, we must realize that the goodness of God is something that should bring us to our knees. But you see, in our freedom, we turn from God. Verses 5 and 6. God will reward every man according to his works. But because of your stubbornness, now he's writing this to these home churches, but okay, let's relate this to ourselves today. Because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath. When his righteous judgment will be revealed. You see, that's a good thing. God will give to each person according to what he has done. Okay. Our deeds stand before God, all of them, and God will judge us. But I want to tell you this, sin breaks God's heart. I don't know where you are, but sin breaks God's heart. Look at verses 7 and 8. Excuse me, let's go verses 8 and 9. A person's conduct, whether good or evil, reveals the condition of his heart. Look at this verse. I'm reading from the NIV. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil. And then he says, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile. God doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't show favoritism. All men are alike before God. The question is, are you living for your Savior? Do you know him? Now, I'm not going to get into this particular passage here, verses 12 through 16. I'm just going to make some very quick quotes about this. But the question often arises here, are the heathen really lost? The answer to that is yes. They're lost because they're sinners. You see, God in his righteous judgment has the right to judge them. And judge, God will judge the heathen by his conscience. You see, we have this idea that if we do good things, 
we're saved. Well, that's not true. We're going to get to that in just a few moments here. God is going to judge the do-gooders and the religious people, and he'll judge the Jews in particular. I want you, verses 17 through 24, as we're doing this quick overview here, you will see that God says he's going to judge the Jew because they had a God-given religion. Verse 21, Paul says, you who teach others, are you teaching yourselves? Are you listening to what you're teaching? So I'm challenging those of you who are teaching small groups, Sunday schools, home groups, myself. Are you living what you're teaching? You need to take this to heart. You see, the Jews had a whole bunch of of, of rights and laws, over 600 of them. And they thought because they had these rights that this made them far better than anyone else. And there are times I honestly know this for a fact, that we believe that because we're Christian, we're better than others. Well, guess what? You have a sinful heart. Well, verse 28, take a look at it. A man is not a Jew if he is only outwardly, one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. You see, that was the identifying mark of God upon the Jewish nation. No, Paul writes, a man is a Jew if he is one inwardly and circumcision is circumcision of the heart. You see, some of us here this morning really need to cut some of the skin, the hardness off of our heart. We need to get down to business and living for God. Well, I want you to listen carefully here. God says, a circumcised heart is one that is separated from the world and dedicated to him. The same is true of the follower of Jesus Christ. God loves the person who sees and discerns with their heart and then lives accordingly. Now, chapter 3. Jesus became our righteousness. The Jews had the Torah. If you don't know what the Torah is, it's the first five books of the Bible. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The Gentiles didn't. Look at uh, verses 10, and let me think here. 10 through 12. Every sinner is lost without Jesus Christ. So as it is written, and there's in 1 Kings 8, in 2 uh, uh, Chronicles, uh, uh, it talks about the fact, as it is written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There's no one who does good, not even one. Wow. Not even one. Here is, let's read on, verses 14 through 18. We find here a description of a person who doesn't know God as Jesus, as their Savior. Look at it. Look at it, verses 13 through 18 here. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. Their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Watch your language. It's, it's, 
It's hard. It's hard. Man leaves destruction and bitterness behind him. Man doesn't know the way of peace. We don't. We don't. Peace is through God, through Jesus Christ. There is no fear of God in their heart. Wow. That's a description of a person who doesn't know God. as Jesus Christ is their Savior. So neither Jew or Gentile nor you or I can keep the law. We can't. People tell me they live by the Ten Commandments. I hear this frequently. You know what? If people tell you that, just ask them to recite the Ten Commandments. Just ask them. They're not living by the Ten Commandments. They may know one or two. But you see, God can't accept imperfection. Neither Jew, Gentile, you or I today, we can't keep the law. And you see, our heart, a person's heart is broken when they're living away from God. You see, Jesus Christ, our Savior, came to die. He came to die to take upon himself all of the consequences of the pain of sin and death that, that, that we have caused. He overcame it all by his resurrection. We sang about that. He overcame it all by his resurrection. Folks, I want to challenge you. When the music starts playing here, this is part of your worship. Stand up and sing. Find your voices. You all talk louder than you sing sometimes. Get with it. Worship the Lord. Don't be afraid. And guess what, Baptist? It's okay to raise your hand. It's okay. It's praising the Lord. Thank you. Jesus, I don't know who put this quote out. And this is unfortunate. I, I didn't write it down, but this is a quote. I found it. Jesus became what we are so we could become what he is. He became what we are so we could become what he is. What a gift you have. The righteousness, verse 23, you, you know this. Many of you know this. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The righteousness of Christ comes to us through our faith in him. God justifies those whose faith is in Jesus as Lord. Verse 22, just go back a verse. The righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. Justification, I want you to put this up on the screen. You see, our position is verse 23. Our position without Jesus Christ. Justification means to declare righteous. Okay, we are right with God, we're forgiven. So we're new. We're forgiven. We have a new family. We're included in the family of God. 1 Peter 2.9, you're a chosen people. You know Jesus Christ celebrated. You're a chosen people, a holy nation. You're God's special possession. Celebrate it. We have a new future. We're transformed by the gift of God's grace. 
All of these are gifts from God. All of that, what I've just mentioned here, we're new, we're right with God, we have a new family, uh, we have a new future. And when you believe you are in Christ, and that means your soul is safe. Verse 24, look at it. And we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. When our faith is placed in Christ alone, boy, we sang that song today, didn't we? In Christ alone. You know what? I think we ought to, Nick, I know this may throw you, but I think we ought to close with that. And when we come to that part where it talks about he's risen from the grave, you ought to belt it out. When our faith is placed in Christ alone, we are justified freely. We're set apart by his grace through redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And the righteousness spoken of here is this. It's available to everyone, but it only comes to those who believe. Now look, when people tell you, I believe in God, well, Satan believes in God. Don't, don't, don't try to be relevant. Ask them, do you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? You see, that's truth. But I want to tell you this. When you believe, you're justified your soul is safe uh, without a cause. No merit. No merit. Grace is unmerited favor. It's love in action. There's nothing in us that can call out the grace of God. Three words I want you to see here. Justified. Validated. It means confirmed. Redeemed. It means re recovered. It means rescued. Atonement, and I put these in the most simplistic forms. It means that Jesus paid the price for our sin. And here's a final point. When you and I admit that we're sinners and trust Jesus as our Savior, regardless of who we are and where we are, guess what? God will save us. And God's question, and I'm going to ask this question. It's God's question. What are you doing with my son who died for you on the cross? What are you doing? Chapter 4. We can be a part of God's family. In Genesis before, and I want you to go back now. You don't have to keep your hands here. Go back to Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. We can be a part of God's family. Before any of the laws, before the Torah, remember that's the first five books of the Bible, before the law, Abraham was justified. He was set apart. How? By faith. Genesis chapter 12, verses, one, let's, I want to do one, two, and three. The Lord has said to Abram, leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land that I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. And I will bless you, and I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing, and I will bless those who bless you. And whoever curses you, I will curse, and all people on earth will be blessed through you. You see, God promised he wouldn't make Abraham a great nation. You see, in Abraham, we, we have a hero. We have a man who demonstrated his character. Okay, um, because actions reveal character. Go over to chapter 15. And I want you to see, 
You see, things weren't going to be easy for Abraham. Look at this. Um, I'm, I'm reading from verse, chapter 15, verse 13. Then the Lord said to Abraham, to him, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. They will be enslaved. They will be mistreated for 400 years. But I will punish the nation they serve as slaves, and afterward they will come out with great possessions. You, however, will go to your fathers in peace and be buried at a good old age. Here's a man who had real character. You see, his walk wasn't going to be easy. You see, that, that's where we get confused. Brothers and sisters, I think we have rose-colored glasses when we read the Scriptures because we think because we are believers, we've placed our faith in Jesus Christ, that everything we pray for is just going to come our way. Well, you know what? It doesn't. God asks us to walk through difficulty because those difficulties grow us. I can give you a personal illustration. You know I'm retiring in just another month or so. I'm stepping out of this pulpit. My plan was not to have surgery on my knee, but God, it was God's plan. And you know what? He wants me to walk through that with a good attitude. He wants me to trust him through it. Okay. Abraham was a man with radical faith and trust in God's promises, and God declared him righteous. God's family is made up of Gentiles and Jews. God made Abraham the father of a large, multi-ethnic, covenant family. Remember, it wasn't through the law that Abraham and his offspring received the promises. It was through righteousness. It was through faith. So the challenge here, brothers and sisters, is faith. Walk through faith. Some of you walk through some difficult, dark days. Keep trusting him. Keep trusting him. You see, just as God said to Abraham, it's not going to be easy. Okay, 400 years is a long time. But he said, I will bless you. All right. God's family has been spreading and growing since that time. And God assured Abraham, look at verse 5 of chapter 15. He took him outside, <laughs> and he said, I want you to gaze at the stars, Abraham. Look up at the heavens, and, and I want you to start counting the stars, if you can count them. He laid down a challenge, and then he said, so shall your offspring be. We're part of the family of God. You see, Abraham didn't waver in his faith uh, or his belief of God's promises. His righteousness was credited to him. It was given to him because of faith. Brothers and sisters, you and I, too, can be credited because of our faith. You see, our salvation is given through faith. One last thing I want you to see. It's Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10. Every believer, we are God's workmanship. God has created us to do some great and wonderful things. We are God's workmanship created, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, 
which God prepared in advance for us to do. You don't know God's time clock, and neither do I. But God says, your salvation is not the reward of works. It's a gift from me because of your faith. Grace saves. God's graciousness saves. And we can thank God for that gift. God justifies those who believe in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Do you remember what the definition of justification is? Validation. Confirmed. How wonderful that is. Every man, as we conclude here, every man, every woman, every child is hopelessly, irrevocably lost in sin and needs to be rescued. We can never rescue ourselves. Everything that I've said here today, we, it is, proves that. We can never rescue ourselves by doing good deeds, by obeying the Ten Commandments. It is God's righteousness that provides rescue to us. It's God's righteousness God brought us into a new multi-ethnic family of Abraham. It is only through faith in Jesus Christ that brings you into this family. One last thing. It's not enough to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose again. What? Okay. It's not enough that we believe that God so loved the world. What? We must believe that God loved us despite sin. Remember 3.23, for all have sinned, for you have sinned, for I have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We've broken God's heart. Every time we sin, it breaks God's heart and we're taking away the glory that we can give him as we live our lives Yielded to him. It is through faith that saves. If you read chapter 3 of Romans, you will find in verses 22 through 31 that Paul talks about faith eight times. You see, it's extremely important. Okay. A lot's been said, and I trust that you love the Lord and if you don't know him, today is the day of salvation. We're going to pray. And I'm just going to ask that uh, if you know that you've been living in a way that is taking glory away from the Lord, uh, deal with that right now. Father, thank you. You see, you have called us, each one of us, to bring glory to your name. Each believer. Father, for those today here that know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, thank you that their faith has been validated, credited. Father, you've given us righteousness. You've given us a gift of love and grace. Father, I pray that as we, when the skies are abundantly clear and full of stars, we should go out and just gaze at the stars and really, really take a good 
imagine, time of imagination of thinking about what God was saying to Abraham. Lord, you have blessed us. We're part of a multi-ethnic covenant family. Lord, you've called us to do great things, but you've called us to be yielded to you. So Lord, if we haven't, if we're, whatever, whatever our situation is, Lord, if we're taking glory away from you, we ask you for forgiveness. And Lord, if we don't know you, today's your day. You can speak to me or one of our elders. We'll be glad to talk with you after service. And if you're bold enough and you want to walk forward and greet me, meet me, we'd rather talk with you immediately. Whatever the situation is, Lord, whatever the situation in our heart, I just pray that our heart is right with you. We're walking with you. And we are thanking you for the grace that you've given us through Jesus Christ. We love you. I love you. And I know this body of Christ loves you. Lord, one of our problems is we just need to show it. So, Father, I pray that your spirit is just going to release us and let us revel in the glory of God as we sing. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.